so yeah we, we'll uh, basically do a pre-standard episode which is we're going to talk for about 20 30 minutes about uh, the book uh, then we'll cut in some music and then 20 30 minutes on the book um, at some and- point it will inevitably become talking about fucking whatever this will naturally happen oh yeah yeah because because you guys heard the news i I don't want to make this all about me or or all about british stuff but um i don't think we can not talk about that (laughs) can we talk about that right now can we talk talk about how the prime minister of the uk is going to die yeah i desperately want it you guys i'm so fucking wet for the idea of boris johnson dying of the plague yeah, it's was, uh, it's gonna hold, happen. Good news, Gretchen. No, let's okay. We're not don't jump the gun. It's fifty fifty at this point. When people in ICU, no. it's a fifty fifty chance. Uh, good yeah, good so. news though. Um, people who get put on, get put into the ICU and especially get put onto ventilators for coronavirus, that is not a fifty fifty chance. That is that skews very heavily in one direction. Oh yeah, yeah. Because by by that time, you're like your lungs have been put into a blender, basically. And they're just a massive blood and scar tissue at that point. Oh, um, so yeah, it's real painful. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, he's probably just like you know, about three hundred miles away from where I am now, just begging God for a release that will never come. And um, yeah, just uh, <clears throat> and um, he wanted to do that to millions of people a couple yeah. of weeks ago. He is getting so, straight roasted. Yeah, this is, yeah, he, he has been epically owned. I, this is just the, a milkshake duck the size of Godzilla. It is just a field of corn cobs. He is running through, and every single one is jamming itself in his bum um, sideways. It, it reminds oh. us that at the end of the day man may have tried his hand at canceling but truly it is god that is the king of canceling oh yeah. he's canceling the shit out of boris <laughs> killing true. him with I a mean, plague like... very biblical start is there is there like an intro format oh that that was the start the start is non sequiturs um the start is uh we're, in media res if you will uh, we're but, lucky when the uh we're lucky when the cold open isn't just something gross um <laughs> i mean i did say that i was physically sexually aroused by the idea of boris johnson dying mm-hmm. that's yeah. not gross that's normal and now we're going to talk about herpes <laughs> <laughs> herpes folks um, that spot on Gorbachev's head herpes trust me um, yeah I bet Boris Johnson has herpes 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 boba peas banana banana fro herpes herpes um, we're here on death sentence hello everyone uh, with Gretchen Falcon Martin uh, if you don't know her yet if you don't know her yet you shortly will um, she is Oh, are we allowed to announce that? Has that been announced? The whole intro? Okay. 
she's just signed up with a very, very good agent uh, named Connor Goldsmith. Uh, he uh, puts out, I think, a bunch of stuff we've had on the show so far. He is like a super agent for like the um, literary sci-fi stuff, literary sci-fi fantasy horror stuff. Um, Gretchen has got, is it three books? Uh, yeah, I've I've written three books that I've published myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have read one third of Dreadnought. It's amazing. It's like if someone looked at Neon Genesis Evangelion and didn't think it was traumatic enough and just wanted yeah. to, to crank that dial. Um, it really picks that's, up that's on the thread. Because <laughs> they imply, obviously, in Neon Genesis Evangelion... Or they don't imply. They they more or less state that they're 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 just big women. The the mechs are just big women, um, okay. which means that they have bones on the inside of them. And dreadnought, one of the things that I like is it feels like you thought about that. You were like the evas have bones on the inside. Let's just bring that energy further further to the surface of like I oh they got bones. I wanted bone. them to to feel mm-hmm. like literal enormous women so see we we we're all hype at this time about the little women but it is you looking out for <laughs> the fucking gargantuan women and this is what true. we need in life you know i'm well, six four i'm very sensitive to that struggle <clears throat> damn right yeah and um so one thing i've always wanted to know and, and i'm gonna assume you're a subject matter expert on this if the Evangelions are clones of um, Shinji's mom and Rei and Rei and Asuka's mom, are uh, would they be classed as milfs? Take your time with this answer. Oh wow! I mean, I think for a show that Freudian, the answer is not so much that their mothers that the characters would like to fuck. But that their mothers, the characters, experience compulsions driving them to fuck. Mm. That's not a very good acronym, though. MILF is oh, a much no, it's, more it's better not. acronym. Yeah. So short answer, yes. Okay. Short, short answer, yes. Long answer, a big acronym. Got it. Um, we're going to talk about, an, yeah, traumatic thing, which I've already hinted at is going to be uh, herpes, but also earthquakes and um, relationships and, you know, all, all the other stuff that, uh, yeah, it's pretty, yeah. So you've been pretty vocal about um, being able to uh, write <laughs> uh, transgressive queer fiction, like being able to, like, go there. And, um, you know, <clears throat> as opposed to, like, the, uh, what's it, um, hope punk kind of Steven Universe kind of vibe that's um a few Wimp people have core. Like. Soy core, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh but um so I think this Earthquake Room book kind of yeah has that vibe. Am I right? Oh absolutely. Um I think it's it's very much sort of if not you know, totally grotesque. It's certainly not in the mainstream of what you think of when you think about the queer media you find on bookshelf store or in you know, bookstore shelves. You know, this is this is something about sort of the nitty gritty minutia 
of queer experience and very little in it is definite or instructive. I think this is a book that is not written to edify cis people or straight people or to be universally accessible. This is like, you know, it's a dyke drama book. Hmm. And if you don't know it, it's going to be just like paralyzingly alien. <laughs> Is that why you recommended it to two cis, generally hetero guys? Yeah, you, got, you guys got to you got to get we... your licks in. You got to learn. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're kind of right. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't unedifying. I was totally edified, edified hell out of me. But yeah, at the same time, it, I had to look up a bunch of stuff. Like, what's the deal with U-Hauls? Why are they talking about that? Oh, God. U-Hauling is when two lesbians get together and, like, immediately start to combine their lives. So, you know, you go out, you rent a U-Haul, you move into their apartment. U-Hauling is... Yeah, I had to look that up on Urban Dictionary. I hate going on Urban Dictionary. I know, it's a a real um... real bummer. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, now, now I know that. And I can... Um, appropriate that for straight people, just like straight people have um, appropriated top and tops and bottoms. That's excellent. Uh, I'd love to hear how. God, who is it? Like uh, Sarah Silverman is a bottom to her husband or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Just, cool, um, Sarah. Twenty minutes of missionary style bottoming. We um, uh, we love to absorb um, like a uh, like a symbiote, like. Uh, uh, you see, the weeish straights love the, the 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 Marvel films because they edify our shallow brains, brain pans like a kappa. Only instead of water in there, it's a it's a venom symbiote, and we absorb things <laughs> from other peoples and cultures, much like venom absorbs. Right, but also Actually, we're a kappa. Don't know how uh-huh. venom works. I'm not asking you to explain it. I guess. I'll oh, I wasn't going to. <laughs> the joke works better because it's something that it, that I, I think none of us actually like. <laughs> I I was okay with that Venom film. Um, it was a piece of crap that looks like it came out in 2007, <laughs> but I could totally see watching it on a plane at like the eighth hour of a transatlantic flight. I do think there is something to be said for um, film that's like very advanced wallpaper. Like you compulsively cannot pay attention to it, but it's a way it's like a screensaver for your for your TV. You're like, no, it's been blank all day and I'm trying to read a book. And that's a little bit weird. So you put on something and it's just like a a shifting pattern and it makes sound. (laughs) Well, I have ADHD, so that's literally everything. That's this nice. conversation. Like when you turn on uh, visualization in Microsoft Music Player. Exactly. Yeah. My my whole brain is just the visual. <laughs> it's, it's the it's the DVD thing that bounces around the screen. Except that's my entire <laughs> life. I'll just be like at my wedding and just bit 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 the DVD thing. <laughs> but um. Anyway, let, let um Gretchen, can you uh, kind of give us a summary of the Earthquake Room? And 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 maybe talk about the author as well, because I I hadn't heard of Davy Davis before. I don't know if they've ever if they've written any other things. But it seemed quite well reviewed. Um, yes. um, so I sort of just got to know Davy uh, via Twitter. I'm a really big fan so far, and 
I was actually planning on after this going to see if they have anything else out right now. I think they're coming out with a new book, but I'm cool. a terrible hype woman because I don't remember. I think it's from Tiger Bee Press. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, Davy Davis out, um, of Great Moon. Uh, Davy Davis, really fantastic author. Um, trans man, former sex worker, obviously really well versed in the dynamics that they're talking about in the earthquake room is about two dykes who are in this relationship in which both of them are sort of trapped in their own dysfunctional interior lives and unable to communicate and they're living in a near future in the Bay Area in California where constant seismic activity is threatening to just annihilate the entire city. Um, And that impending doom comes through in sort of the same way that it does in our lives through ads and social media and you know half remembered snippets of of public safety announcements um i think in a lot of ways the book is sort of about the way that we live cheek to cheek with the idea of our own annihilation and Mm, yeah the kind of petty efforts we make to retain some kind of control yeah so um, yeah okay. I, yeah i definitely see that with you know uh, k and b's kind of the, the kind of central plot where uh k gives b herpes um then k decides that she has to uh she has to get herpes in return in order to balance the universe out right. and it's like constant fear of just falling into the san andreas trench is kind of um it's kind of allied to a point by just this idea of balancing the books how everything just needs to be in order it kind of reminded me of this book i i, I always forget the title of this that um i read absolutely ages ago it was about a police detective in germany in 1945 and he was like a, a german police officer and he was just trying to solve a fairly mundane murder while like Berlin is has like the Russians at the gates, and just uh, did his need to just set this one thing to to rights can kind of do it a li- go a little way to making the whole thing a little better, but not really because you know the whole world's ended for him. Right. And uh, yeah, I don't know that um that just kind of sprung to mind while I was reading this. I can definitely see why. Yeah, uh, I think we, we, so, so much of the earthquake room is about trying to contend with the shadow of death, not just in the form of world, but the possibility of a breakup, and you know the the lingering trauma of their lives before they were together. Hmm. Yeah, this like constant feeling of everything being too much. You've you've got mm-hmm. too much trauma yourself. 
the world is going to end at any point. There's way too much going on. Um, yeah. Constant social media barrages. Everyone, everyone around you has got, is, has got their own shit going on. Like the the secondary characters are pretty are really well drawn as well. They've got their own. Yeah, like uh, Glory and Claire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys are just like really well drawn secondary characters. They're not just sounding boards or. Um, you know, just the standard best friend character who says, hey, girl, let's drink some margaritas and ice cream. Yeah. I, I thought that the part where Kay talks about how much she idolizes Glory's relationship as like the, the model for how Dyke should be together. And then a few sentences later tells you, tells us that they fight viciously and throw things. And it's like majorly dysfunctional. And she she doesn't see that at all. She just thinks it's a sign of how much they care about each other. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it's borne out by her personality, which is so, so wrapped up inside her own head and so mm. hidden away and almost dissociative. Yeah. And um, what did you make of uh, B, on the other hand? Because they're kind of, kind of mirror images. Of each, well, not mirror images, opposites of each other, really. <clears throat> yeah, they are. Um, I think what stuck out most about B is that everything K turns away from and neglects as a, a coping mechanism, B wants to immerse herself in. You know, she hmm. she watches these endless videos of people dying and earthquakes and natural disasters. She doesn't allow herself to feel things outside of a carefully regulated response, but she'll wallow in this sort of third-party misery. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of perfect for this show because we've talked about the, these ideas of like death consciousness and being willing to, to wallow in death and depictions of death like a, a lot like going back to some of the first episodes we did yeah um yeah because it's just it it comes up in extreme metal music constantly you know it's bands like cannibal corpse exhumed and so on you know, you're constantly seeing these images of death and dismemberment and even worse things and it's and it doesn't like make you like those things as people would assume, it's not you don't seek those out because you think that death is is funny, or that Cannibal Corpse is uh, less um, well considered. Alp, um, song titles are funny jokes. You see that because you know death is everywhere. You may as well you know, get used to it, and um, that's especially now. I'd like to see um, if like Spotify or Bandcamp or something is seeing an uptick in. Um, downloads of music of like just angry aggressive music of some kind whether it's like Marilyn or someone I've certainly been um, listening to a lot of Godspeed You Black Emperor's older angrier stuff oh yeah that's perfect for now isn't it oh yeah um, I, I truly is on fire there is not a time that is bad to listen to the dead flag blues there is mm. oh. zero times <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not like we've what ever I heard. Really... What I heard is that girls love it when the flags are all dead at the tops of their poles. 
I too have heard this. This is a classic uh, of the romance uh, sections of of the Tiger Beats and the Sweet Sixteen magazines. Absolutely. <laughs> Some hints to the teens for how to pick like, up. Show uh, your women that twisted metal is stretching skyward in thin orange haze. <laughs> Um, if the streets no, no. aren't muddy with a thousand lonely suicides, that tip ain't getting wet, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's the sewers are muddied with a thousand lonely suicides. Oh, Langland's d- done a bro fail. Oh, damn. Oh, he's gotta, <laughs> you gotta chug your beer now, bro. I gotta chug my beer, and then I'm gonna, gotta chug a, a, what is it, a Smirnoff ice. There we go. I was like, I forgot okay. what they were called. A then a monster energy yeah. drink, and then a four loco, full strength four uh-huh. loco. None of that pussy shit. Come on, chug, chug, chug. Um, I do like how, in the depths of my drinking problem, I would uh, sometimes go and get like five four locos and would just pound them like a sociopath <laughs> alone, of course, <laughs> just in my house uh, drinking multiple four locos alone. <laughs> That is so bad to imagine. <laughs> it's it's pretty bad. That's I'm I'm glad I don't do that anymore. I like to imagine that I got all of a life's worth of drinking done in like a really compact short amount of time, so I could <laughs> you know then move on. Because I I obsessively hundred percent video games. I don't like fun. We've 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 all. I don't think anyone here likes fun, which is good because fun is bad. It makes weaker. Um. And so things like a video game aren't for fun. They're a kind of job that I give myself. <laughs> and I can only consider the job done when all the shiny things have been collected and they all belong to me. Even the ones, especially the ones that are no fun to get. Those are the best ones because, again, don't like fun. And so that same sociopathic methodology applied to drinking is like, I'm going to drink one whole lifespan's worth of alcohol, I'm going to speed run it, and then I'm going to consider it done. (laughs) In a way, that kind of um, that kind of magical thinking connects really well to Kay's arc in this book that, yeah, you know, she is seeking to not even to really undo something, but to sort of fundamentally transfigure what it means to do something to another person. There's also a lot um, of um there's a lot of capacity within the book for that tendency that me and people like me, and I believe I'm in present company when I say this kind of thing, amongst just not just us, but listeners, of like seeking some kind of release or catharsis from traumatic space through through extreme and then the continued frustrations that things don't necessarily work that way, or even when they do, it's com- it's inconsistent. So it's not a reliable methodology. And just I uh, uh, the the book is not very long, but I had to put it down quite a bit because I was like, oh oh, it's memories time. It's memories flashbacks time. I'm gonna close this book. Gonna think real hard. Gonna think real hard. Now I'm gonna go back to the book. It's been two days. I've been thinking for two days. <laughs> But it's in like, certainly a book that that made me live in my past a lot, um, and really brought up a lot of familiar feelings. You know, so much yeah. of what happens in it closely mirrors my mid and late twenties and 
the queer relationship that I was in and the slow breakdown of communication along existing fault lines. It is, it really is an experience of retreating into yourself and losing your sense of what it's like to share with another person and be open and work toward the same thing. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. With, with that, sometimes you can end up trying to get herpes. Sometimes you start a podcast. And, um, right. There's, you know. there's many directions <laughs> it can go. Yeah. Lots of, lots of just two random examples I pulled out of thin air there. Um, but uh, yeah. It, it, and we haven't even discussed the style of this yet because it's, it's stylish as hell. It's a, oh, yeah. it really is. It is a catwalk. I love I love this just stylistically line by line level of writing is just beautiful. And part of I'm that a is a big enough writing dork that like when a writer clearly gives a shit about their prose, I'm like, you could write about fucking anything. I don't care. I just, yeah, more, more. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's part Pretty of that. Fucking is, good. <clears throat> it's, it's partly on this like meta level of like choosing not to use capital letters and write it all in blocks and having chapter titles that repeat themselves so you're kind of back in different places and stuff and part of it is just like line by line word choices and the uh the social media stuff that just interrupts ra- totally random moments that i mean there's virtually no rhyme or reason to when just a, a paragraph is going to break up be broken up by like the president has ordered the national guard to deploy or something so good it's uh, god my favorite one in the book or my favorite two one is Drone warfare will have to adapt to the changing climate crisis, just like the rest <laughs> of us. Yeah. Um, Until we see that being real. The DNC declines to criticize privatization of army. <laughs> oh yeah, that and that. You can that, absolutely see those things week. happening tomorrow. <laughs> right. It's like as an American, I was reading that, and I would just be like, mm, mm, slow frown. Mm. <laughs> In yeah. the, I was like, I would probably get along with this person well at a party. Although getting along well would be uh, mutually an- angrily ranting at the same time. <laughs> like I could just envision it perfectly in my mind, just both staring at different walls, angrily ranting, but like within eight feet of each other. And I'd be like, that was that was good hanging out with them. Yeah, <laughs> should do this again sometime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh... I really love that K's and B's names are never capitalized, although other characters are, I believe. Um, yeah, Glory's is, Claire's is. Mm. And I mean, I think there's a number of ways to interpret that. The way that I took it is sort of that A are coming from an interior space where they're they're default they don't live so much as a complete image in another person's mind as they do a collection of reactions um and they share that to an extent because they're in this relationship that in spite of its its degradation is very emotionally intense for both of them and came at really important crucial moments in their lives and changed a lot for both of them um you know prior to this Kay was drifting from hookup to hookup 
and B had recently been living as a straight woman. Um, K had been experimenting with gender. So their their relationship is a, a crux for both of them. Yeah. It's kind of like an odd couple thing, but um, way, way better. Um, yes. <laughs> I, 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 my brain for a second hung up when you compared it to an odd couple thing. And I forgot that that was <laughs> a term that was used prior to that show. And that's why it was called that. Like they didn't invent mm. that term. And I just kept thinking Oscar and whatever the other dude's name is. And I was like, uh, uh, Gareth, uh, <laughs> I love the super <laughs> text that you're Felix. imposing on it. Yeah. <laughs> just imposing brand new te uh, textual context. What was that? Nope. Sorry. Uh, brand new textual oh. something. Textual contexts. I'm having uh. some real fun internet issues. Every now and again, you guys will walk and it will then hang up and I'll be like, what are they? And then, of course, about 15 to 20 seconds later all of the words that have been said in that span will happen second and be like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like oh bird sounds got it good all right now back yeah the, the internet that's, that's is just good. um yeah the internet's fucked at the moment with all the yep. everyone's online just i was trying to watch everyone. wrestlemania last night and it started hanging up uh and buffering exclusively during the firefly funhouse match which made me want to kill myself <laughs> that shit was so fucking bananas. We're not here to talk about that, but oh my fucking god, that shit was so fucking bananas. I love professional wrestling. That's what I'm hearing from my inexplicably enormous number of wrestling friends. Yeah, everyone uh, I know is super into wrestling except me. I hate um, it. My friends love wrestling much that I've actually, I've actually started watching wrestling matches with them, not on my own. And I gotta admit, I yeah, get it. Same. There's a kind of verve to, I, again, I, I, I don't think this will be a shocking statement. There's a kind of verve to trash art or art that is routinely vastly overlooked as being like subliterary and subhuman that allows it to do certain like fucking bonkers, like melodramatic shit that you can never really get away with in other circumstances because you'd be like, oh, you're not supposed to like it. There was there was a multi-month-long cuck drama recently in WWE. Like, in those terms, a dude had his wife stolen and then was getting cucked on camera on live television. And so he engaged in multiple wrestling matches with the dude cucking him to win his wife back. And then he lost. And so they televised the marriage between his now ex-wife and the guy that uh, she'd been cucking him with and made him attend it. He couldn't backflip attack him enough in order to keep him from marrying his wife. Aren't there also like multiple professional wrestlers who are vampires as well? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um I love how they I confirm. believe the Undertaker is just straight up a dead guy. Is like his, Yeah, except except when he's a biker. That's right. He is a middle-aged biker as well. Sometimes. And they yeah. they gave the first canonical explanation. Uh, on Saturday, that yes, biker taker can still teleport, just like dead man taker. <laughs> wow. 
That's okay. a sentence that everyone listening that knows about uh, wrestling will understand those words. Um, no one else will. It's like a beautiful uh, code language. It's like speaking in hobo symbolism in the 1930s, except it's about dudes who back attack each other. <laughs> let's talk about the herpes in this book. Yes. Uh, let, let's actually break for some music. Then we can talk Ooh. about herpes. Okay, I guess we can break for some music. <laughs> yeah. Because we're, we're, we're halfway, Mark. We've got to do some music here. Um, uh, let's do Black Curse first because it's shorter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Black Curse from Denver, Colorado. Fucking sick band. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, they're just like black metal, death metal, 50-50 split between them, just moved into each other perfectly. Um, we're going to play the second song of the album, Crowned in a Floral Vice. I don't know what that means. But, um, yeah, it, it's... It's just like perfectly what you think of when you think of extreme metal. When you put those words together and decide what that would sound like, it sounds like this. It has really, really disgusting vocal work that's both in that like super low guttural death register and like this like shrieking black metal register. It's, yeah, I'm just really, really digging this album. Plus, it's got amazing album art. Yeah, it's 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 functionally a super group. You have people from Blood Incantation, from Spectral Voice, from Primitive Man, from Chemists, um, and making uh, normally supergroup stuff. I mean, obviously, there's like it's rolling rolling the dice, and then you just look at the cover of this, and you immediately you're like, this shit's gonna be fucking crazy good, and then uh, then it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, then it's just insanely good. Even that logo is better than most bands logos they've got a slightly better take on black letter fonts than most bands do um yeah they're absolutely insanely sick it's coming out uh, april 24th the whole album's on uh, Bandcamp already if you want to go listen to it uh here is crowned floral vice by black curse from endless wound
Sounding Floor Vice by Black Curse, the album Endless Wound, a super group, if you will. Um, and oh, they sure are super, Gareth. Yeah, they're super good <laughs> at making really good music. That I, that like, I, uh, I open my to. window and just gradually drape myself out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, oh, it, it's... I've got to go home, just walk into an open grave. <laughs> <laughs> But we're here to talk about um, something more important, and that's herpes. Mm -hmm. Folks, um, herpes, huh? It's our belt. Uh, oh, I've, never, so... I've never had an STD. I'm, quite, I'm very lucky. Um, that's not through anything I've done in terms of being responsible. Uh, it's pure, like, Russian roulette that I've never had an STD. So, uh, ladies, uh, STD-free since forever. Slide into these DMs. Um, anyone else want to talk about the rest Please of the Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I've had herpes since I was a kid. It was given to me by a family friend just through carelessness. Um, and the way it's used in this in this novel is so fascinating. There's this very quotidian quality to it because you know of course it's one of the most common stds it's also one of the, the most commonly treated as sort of not a big deal mm -hmm. um and it's transmitted in such an intimate place in bees taint and we don't see the act of transmission but we see the aftermath and it's it's like this visualization of all the negative thoughts that live inside K, that her touch is bad, that by being with B, she's hurting B. Like, yeah, and, I mean, you know, like and of course, in the most... It's like an internalized homophobia about it. Like, a, this, what we're doing is automatically dirty. Therefore, the disease has just manifested itself. Right. And, and you know, when she seeks out absolution she she uh goes to see a cis man um mm, yeah and you know there's there's a lot more to that but it's such a rich part i'd love to leave it to the reader um oh yeah we're definitely not going to spoil the ending i mean it's not like a, a twisty turny m night Shyamalan ending but it's definitely has an emotional moment towards the end it really does yeah don't want to be spoiling yeah. that. That part where it's just, I love when they just go into that earthquake room. Hmm. Real there's chappy moment. <laughs> um, actually, I really love this segment where they talk about the earthquake room exhibit at like a museum of geology. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I've been into one of those earthquake rooms. They have one in, um, I think, the Science Museum in London. Um, I've never been to one. They're a lot of fun. Um, I've been in some actual they're... earthquakes as well. Wait, but... they're fun? Yeah. They're awesome. the earthquake rooms. Yes. It, it's just it's just like a it's just like a ride. What how it's... is it a ride? It's a room. <laughs> the room shakes. Yeah. Oh. It, it rattles I around. Thinking... I was <laughs> thinking. So it, it, there's also there it is a similar tomb or room for like for protection from Natural. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's oh, I was like, yeah. what? 
what? You go into a model of a period home and they simulate an earthquake. Okay, yeah. yeah that's this is one in... Um, I, I, I don't know why I didn't think about that because that's what the book... <laughs> I'm fucking stupid sometimes. I'm, uh, I'm really dumb. I'm surprised I haven't poisoned myself worse than I already have. Technically, I forgot there was that like seven months of mold poisoning I put myself through on accident. <laughs> um, that's how? a whole thing. But uh, without so mm, so in my action, give me the 20, give me the five cent version. Uh, the five cent version is that uh, while uh, trapped in my worst mental state. Uh, and, uh, my life began to mirror what was happening in my brain. So I had functionally no furniture. Uh, the walls were falling apart. And at one point, um, two, uh, an abusive addict couple, um, moved in with us in order to help us cover rent. Not, no, no judgment on the addict thing. Major judgment on the physical abuse thing. Just enormous levels of judgment. And so it's just pure chaos all the time. And uh, psychosomatically, I feel like I must have manifested this. The ceiling directly above where I slept at night uh, had a growing stain uh, that started like pin drop size, but eventually became roughly the size of my bed. And it turned out that someone's um, sewage had been backing up and filling the insulation between their bottom floor and my ceiling and it stained directly over where I slept and had uh, gotten uh, mold spores that had been uh, drifting over me as I slept. And the only way they could deal with it was by cutting open a hole in my ceiling, literally about six inches from where my head was, and then running a bunch of garbage bags down into a painter's, like a five-gallon painter's bucket, where the dirty sewage water uh, would rush down, sounding like thousands of horses running through my bedroom, uh, filling this uh, painter's bucket with uh, moldy doo-doo water uh, next to my bed that had to be emptied. Cool. Oh, and that was Langdon, like seven months of my life. <laughs> that this sounds like something that would happen on kind of like a mediocre prestige drama to symbolize yeah. something difficult someone was going through. <laughs> yeah, I, I, my life is very much a... A, like a bad literary novel like it's like it's way too obvious <laughs> like this sucks but that that's fitting because life is bad and we uh good art is in many ways a failure because it doesn't capture how shitty and dumb being alive is yeah. i mean yeah, we, we can like loop back around to the fact that boris johnson is dying of the disease that he thought everyone should get it's I, very funny the, to me yeah i i linked in in the group chat and we i see elected not to discuss it but stanford has just made a toilet that can identify you based on quote your anal print scan there was so a reason it, i did not bring that up yeah, yeah. it sucks so it's, we live in the <laughs> future that's that's bad in not even the cool bad ways like not judge dread bad just like shitty really obvious i don't like ah, it just sucks yeah, it's it, it's like a, a satire, not in like a clever like Swiftian way, but the satire in Demolition Man, uh -huh. where like all <laughs> things are Taco Bell, and you can't have sex, and um, you have to do it over Skype, um, and you have an asshole uh, camera in the in the thing. It's like a little 
yeah, it just tells you by your anal print. So, like, everyone should have to, like, you know, really, um, to escape surveillance, people would have to, like, really, you know, go to town. Um, <laughs> as it were. As, to, to, not to coin a phrase, uh, but, you know, to just <laughs> alter the, the shape of your, of your, of, of the anus. Well, and, you could um, always do the thing that they do for like um facial scan recognition to to trick that if like you put on certain patterns that uh trick just the make camera button, like, uh, if you use juggalo makeup on your a-hole <laughs> yeah make make a really elaborate violent... tattoo ringing your asshole uh, yeah of, of like violent <laughs> j and <laughs> my my dream's always been to get a minion tattoo on the paint and butthole area, the the one-eyed minion. Only we oh, all yeah. know Makes we sense. all know where I'm going with this. So I don't feel a need to continue it, but it it works perfectly for this circumstance. I mean, obviously, the, the camera is the word I would use too. <laughs> the camera would be like, "Oh, it's it's a minion. I recognize these from DreamWorks Minions." The whole franchise. Yeah. But, um... So, speaking of taints, that is actually uh, relevant once more to the uh, is, uh, yeah. to the. To the disease touch, especially the um, the level of it. It's not just the notion of pestilence from touch, but it's it's intimate, uh, uh, intimate. There we go. I can pronounce things correctly. Uh, pestilence. So it's. I love that. Um, I mean, again, it's 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 on the nose only in as much as like gothic fiction tends to be in the way that's meant to like very much like twist the knife. Um, like here, I found it really, um, the, the shock of it, I thought was a productive shock as opposed to, there are of course, lazier examples of transgressive stuff where it's like, ah, poo poo dicks. Ah, and the, this wasn't that it felt like, cause it, it rooted it so much in that, um, that experiential understanding of, of queerness and trauma that it was like. I wound you in the most intimate place with the most virulent thing. It's like, ah, fuck. <laughs> like, and then, and then what's great is that's like, that's the most symbolically intense thing that happened the entire book. Um, and the rest revolves around it in one way or another. Um, I thought Davy did a wonderful, wonderful job just ringing that central point of conflict again and again with things that both reinforced it and that distracted from it or disproved it. Um, the unresolved nature of the conclusion and of so much of the personal trauma within the book is so perfect to this. You yeah. know, you don't just stop having herpes um, in the same way that B doesn't have some big momentous conversation about being raped by her, her mother's boyfriend and get better from it. Um, it's just something that kind of haunts her thoughts and that's it hmm. yeah you get the the sense this is like an, an episode in these people's lives there will be future episodes there was ones before it and um 
yeah, it, it's just going to keep going because that's how messy and uh, unending people's real lives actually are. And yeah, like like you said, just like absolute A plus tier one job at, at portraying that in such a like tiny little book. I mean, it's only like 120 odd pages, isn't it? Like pretty small. It's oh, 204. Uh, okay, yeah, it's just but, um, I think they're like double spaced or something. It took, it took me like no time at all to read, but uh, oh no, it's, well, it's not even double spaced. But um, I think I just liked it that much. <laughs> but um, I, I read it in about two sittings and then read parts of it over again. Yeah, it is. It, yeah, it just it just goes so quickly, doesn't it? Because even though it's beautifully written, it's it's not like that thick, heavy, super literary, beautiful writing that can take an hour to go through paragraphs because you're negotiating all the twists and turns of the phrasing. It, it, it it's just very like, clean, very elegant. Yeah, yeah, elegant is is probably the perfect word for it. It felt like a machine gun to me, like the like rattling <laughs> machine gun prose. Like almost getting like those early minimalist writer vibes from it. Not not because the language itself was minimalist, but in terms of like it was um sharp and it to, to that same degree. Hmm. Very yeah. pointed. Yeah, I, I mean definitely like sits within like the other writers nowadays who are doing this like post minimalist stuff. And so to a certain extent, Altlit was doing that. And but those like writers you know, that I like a lot, like um, Scott McClanahan and uh, Bud Smith and uh, Julius Escoria and people like that, who have taken minimalism as like a, a jumping off point and are just like seeing where what they can do with minimalism. And and this is like one of the more yeah one of the more avant garde ways of doing like a kind of minimalist, punchy uh, thing. Because it does Absolutely. have... Absolutely. You know, it's yeah. it's like I was saying, the, the plot is just a tiny handful of events. Um, there's no, there's no overarching narrative. It's just yeah, a I'm... sort of clean, but in its own way, extremely detailed dive into these two people. Hmm. Yeah, it, it is like a, a character study almost of these two characters. Yeah. It is, um, and it does do what one of the many, many things that like literature with a capital L can do is just like, here's a person there and I'm going to describe them and give you a massively significant part of their life. But the main joy is you're going to like know these people as much as you know your friends. It's very beautiful to hold someone else's emotions and creative impulses like that and to have that kind of window into their experiences and perceptions. Yeah. Yeah, that is absolutely something like that great literature should and can do. And yeah, it just like really well pull, pulls it off here. So yeah, well, it's, it's so specific and so well versed. It's intensely hmm. thoughtful about it, the way it builds these people. Yeah, they're just great constructions. 
like the te the technical skill that goes into these two people is very very high. It's like those old uh, like creative writing class um, e exercises where you like describe a person by the contents of their pockets, or you you do these little exercises like build up a character, mm. and yeah, and this and Davis has seemed to have just like mastered that with these two people. I uh, I, I really love two two formal elements of this quite a lot. One of them is it's something that we actually brought up um, about Finna as well that it reads structurally like a very very long short story, like in terms of its uh, formal components, in terms of the amount of plot movement and how the the narrative arc of things works. It feels more like a super exploded hyper detail rich um like internalist exploration of this like infinitesimally small component of of lives and again to get in my fancy words that i paid too much money for it's like a hauntological study boom i'm done um <laughs> no i won't elaborate on that um <laughs> but uh no, dude, I, no I, I that's a, how is it hauntological i, I want to know this so it's hauntological and it's, so and you just so, say haunt, hauntological, not ontological. Yeah. Um, the hauntological aspect is sort of a critical theorist's and a Marxist's, a materialist Marxist's way of reclaiming some spiritualist language that can be helpful for analyzing certain um, movements psychologically and sociologically, but definitely work better when you don't tie them specifically to like you know ooga booga shit um so hauntology is this notion that either uh one of the lay and obvious ways is that experiences of the past overlay themselves onto the present and project themselves into the future even if they don't have any material ground anymore so um in a certain way colonialist redecorations of contemporary architecture and space is a form of hauntology because it is um, the past laying claim over the present space and, and, and the future. Mm. Um, that's, that's a lay one that's not especially charged and is pretty obvious, but obviously you can go deeper than that. You also have hauntology working in the other direction of futurity, uh, especially of things like Anxiety is predicated on creating a mind image of a potential future of one of disaster or ruin, and then allowing that to reach backwards in time and not only yeah. seeing its and roots and here potential it's the, here. It's the earthquakes. It's the, yeah. the constant threat of the big one. And so a lot of um, like critical analysis of PTSD, not, not psychologists, to, to be clear. It's not like clinical psychologists, but people who are doing like philosophical or experiential discussion of it. Um, and this resonates for me a lot with my own PTSD, that it feels like a, a collapsing, uh, a collapsed state of both these backward-reaching hauntological experiences and these forward-reaching hauntological experiences on the locus of the present. And that's part of what makes it a disorder. Like, if these things were valid, easily grounded, and material, it wouldn't necessarily be a disorder. You would be noting the real conditions of the world. But it's because these, like, phantoms are reaching out from without 
uh, into the within. You're experiencing cognitive distortion. Yeah. And it, it feels like a time-space warp, but uh, that takes you to hell instead of, like, uh, the Jetsons' future or something. And right. just the way that this modeled that in this very compact way and did it, it didn't, it didn't need the $1 words that I love, to be fair. I'm not knocking those $1 words. I just used them. I fucking love them. But it, it made it, like, this rich experiential thing that, like, and that ties into the, the second bit, which is... Um, Gretchen, you brought this up earlier on. I quite loved as a cis-ish, head-ish dude reading something that was clearly a queer person not writing for people who look like me. It was just... Because we get that a lot of like, oh, queer art has to be predicated on there will be a cis audience, there will be a het audience, and it needs to like show the trauma, but it can't show too much of the trauma. It has to make things look hopeful but it can't lie you know, like there's all these anxieties that hang around it and this just wasn't interested really very banal yeah mm. it's like these are valid concerns and they're normally handled very poorly because they will ruin a work before it's being before it's done being made like it reaches into gestation and it's like putting a plant on a lattice that is not right for that plant and you're just Hobbling. like, oh, I ruined it. Whoops. Um, meanwhile, this just was utterly uninterested. It was clearly a queer author with certain experiences writing to explore those and then printing them. And it's like, the audience will be whatever the audience is, but I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to make this as true and as rich as possible. And it's like... You know, I think immersion, as, as so many people would attest with things like language and math, is so much more effective as a way to both inform and to build empathy than didacticism. Yes. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Putting yourself, putting yourself in the the emotional and mental space of these women. Yeah, I mean, is like the to, primary. Oh, <laughs> if you were to set out with a goal of like helping cishet people understand queer women a bit better then this would be a thousand times better than, I don't know, the L word or something. Um, this, this reminds me so much of conversations that queer friends have had with me about their experiences, where it felt so radically different from certain examples of, of queer art. I mean, obviously there is lots of queer art that's like this, and that's the other frustrating thing, is that like the, the Tumblrized image of capital Q, capital A queer art is like, actually relatively a minority of queer art it just uh reaches over and eclipses all of the like legit great shit like this well it has so much more market penetration and mm -hmm. support from mainstream cis and het audiences yes you know it's it's so much easier to find traction for something that's like well a bunch of teenage girls will hold hands and blush and go to summer camp together and then one of them kisses another one and then they go home um then it is to be like well this you know family of lesbian cannibals eat their male children <laughs> is that one of your stories no it just sort of popped into my head as i was talking <laughs> <laughs> I also, I love the, uh, uh, love is actually not the right word. I'm the, 
I hate. There we go. Hate. That's the right one. I hate how um, uh, people will treat any, um, especially, especially horror writing, but things that loosely touch on horror writing. So this lives within the broader umbrella of horror in my mm. mind, but obviously is not body horror specifically. Yeah, but it's not the like richly fantastical wing of horror that we sometimes think about when we use the word horror. Like there aren't literal ghosts. There aren't uh cronenbergs in it but you know it it is a horrific tale and that people will then accuse people who write horror of like you like what you've written and you're like no then it wouldn't be a horror story it's not horror if i'm like and that was also very good that's how the fuck can you be this illiterate like i it's it's I think about this a lot. It's this desire to establish a perfect system of rules that everyone could learn that would prevent anything bad from ever happening again. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. a baby's way of thinking. It's a, it's a ch- yeah, the, the idea that you can litigate a better world into existence. Um, that cutting and pruning and restriction are the way to make society more caring and open enable people to heal after trauma and the reverse is true yeah which kind of brings us back to what i was saying earlier about death consciousness and just like it's perfectly fine to immerse yourself in ugly nasty stuff even stuff that goes way beyond the bounds of what most people would consider acceptable sometimes like that early cannibal corpse stuff right um yeah it's 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 not endorsement of it yeah, it's, yeah. I, you know, so, I, um, sorry, go on. I feel like people are so obsessed with association, even on the, the simplest level of, of seeing someone next to something and immediately equating them. Hmm. Um, such that owning a book could be a moral statement about you. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a kind of a virus um, theory of stuff, of, of morality and how information works. That if you read a bad thing, that bad thing will go into you like a virus. And if you get enough bad things into you, you'll become bad too. It's, and of course, it's, you know, demented and magical. Yeah. Yeah, and which isn't to say that certain like things like no platforming fascists on college campuses and stuff isn't valid and it, there aren't places for that but um yeah you you are very right that if handled correctly in the right way which yeah there's plenty of things for transgressive uh art to do in our culture that it that it needs to be there for because it always has to be like there for. so much of the pressure against that both within the the queer community directed internally and from immediately without it. Basically just model minority shit. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, especially post marriage equality, where now queer people, especially white cis queer people are much more able to assimilate and Queerness has become mainstream in this very specific way. Um, 
anyone who is outside that represents a threat, not just in a in an overt way to that new stability, but in kind of a subconscious way. You know, it's it's been a marginalized mm. community living in a state of distress for decades and decades. Um, we're still living in the aftershocks of the AIDS crisis and a whole generation of men and trans women lost. And I think the idea of safety and security, those things have a lot of power. Gay community, and there's also a, a lack of continuity. There's there's very little connection to our past. Everything is is hyper focused on the present. Yeah, I mean def definitely. Um, so I think to to finish this off, if we wanted to read more stuff like this, uh, apart from yourself, um. What, what, where else should we go? Who's our next stop after this book? Sorry, Peters, no question. Oh, um, sorry, broke up a little bit there. Who, oh, some, Tori Peters? Peters. Tori Peters. Tori, T-O-R-I? T-O-R-R-E-Y Peters. Uh, she yeah. wrote Infect Your Friends and Loved Ones, The, Mas the Masker, M-A-S-Q-U-E-R, and Glamour Boutique. Mm -hmm. Um. She's oh, yeah. fantastic. She's really, really fantastic. A genius. Um, I'm also a really covers too. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I'm also a really big fan of Porpentine, who has done a lot of Twine adventures and oh, also wrote, yeah. also wrote the novella uh, Psychonymph Exile. Um, <laughs> That's one of my favorite the, things I've read. Period. It is so fucking good. That's. I've often said that's my favorite book and it's certainly my favorite modern book. And I think one of the definitive modern trans novels, um, I'll have to put in a courtesy request that you not connect our names and any links on Twitter because she really hates me for reasons I don't fully understand. Hmm. Um, okay. But uh, uh, yeah, but right, yeah, her, um... her work is incredible. It's really one of a kind. Okay, and it's even in. Can you just get the ebook straight offline, online too? Um, so, and oh, one no, last, one last recommendation, if I could. Oh, go ahead. Um, there's a new writer I've been following, Briar Ripley Page, who is a uh, flame swallower on Twitter, and oh, yeah. their stuff is so good. It's like if you fed. Ray Bradbury through a uh, haunted meat grinder that Clive Barker used. <laughs> okay. It's just so fucking good. Uh, yeah, got a corrupted vessels here. Yeah, okay. corrupted vessels, tatter cloak, swallow me whole, entwined. Awesome. Okay, yeah. we'll, we'll check those out. But, um, okay. And where can people find uh, your own stuff? Because Dreadrought highly recommended. I'm sure the other stuff is good too. It is. Um, you can find my stuff on my my Gumroad. Thanks, Langdon. Um, <laughs> and I also have a Patreon, Gretchen Falker Martin. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Scumbelievable. 
And you do writing as well. I, I know you did stuff for the outline, who RIP. Um, uh, no kidding. Um, I yeah. write for Fanbyte. Uh, yep. People? Write for Polygon, Refinery29, Nylon. Um, mm-hmm. The most reliable way to keep track of it is just via Twitter. Mm-hmm. That's the most reliable way to do literally everything. You also have a, also have a lot of great writing on your Patreon. Langdon. Yeah, I have a ton of criticism on my Patreon. Hmm. And you're a damn, damn good critic. Was it you? Did you did the... I really appreciate it. It was you who did the one about the, the Sopranos and the Supernatural, right? And that was me. That was amazing. I was talking about it with my like total normie co-workers. They just brought <laughs> up the Sopranos. They, they, they did the normal thing of the most like regular people do with Sopranos was like, wow, Tony Soprano is so cool. He's just the guy who goes psycho and kills people. It's so cool. And I, and I, <laughs> and I went into like, I just like pretty much read aloud your piece about like, <laughs> you know, Sopranos actually has this like hidden gothic depth. There's actually, uh, there's actually like God and angels and <laughs> demons and ghosts in the Sopranos. There's like real things that happen in the Sopranos. At that moment when Polly uh, sees the Virgin Mary just has haunted exactly. me for years. Yeah. Um, Pussy just, his ghost appears. It's just there. It, it, it goes right. in Definitively. Time. Yeah. It's like on camera. It's not, it's not a dream. It's, it's, it's there on camera. It's as real and, as every, everything else. And Tony senses so, it, even though he doesn't see it. He looks down the hall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, ghosts are 100% real in The Sopranos. Um, I think what's what's so scary about those moments is like first God is real and thinks about these people. <laughs> um, yeah, and like second, every, like all of the characters are all going to hell. Yeah, it's insane. Some of the characters are in hell by the end of the show canonically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that very last scene, like when it goes black, that's Tony Soprano, the guy you've been. Uh, the guy you've loved for six and a half seasons, he is now in hell forever, for all eternity. Just being... I'm sure debate will rage eternally as it should. Um, although <laughs> but, um... the point isn't really what happened. But, and, uh, yeah. um, like I said, what I was going to say was that piece. what I was going to say is that eventually the horror becomes once Polly has seen the spirit that he knows God is real and he doesn't change at all. <laughs> I know that was, <laughs> yeah. Oh which, man, yeah. Which is, it's, it's something I've always thought about, like pedophile priests. You know, they they hundred percent believe in God. They hundred percent believe God's there, looking at them like rape a child, and it's just the the cognitive dissonance to do that is incredible. I, I was listening to another podcast. Um, someone we've actually had on the show before. Um, guy who does Rare Flesh Radio. He had a guest on who was talking about um, postmodern conservatism. I'm not going to go into what that is. But it's fairly self-explanatory if you know what those two words mean. But he was saying that this whole COVID-19 thing is going to be a wake-up call for people. How like all these conservatives who have made like this re-weird postmodern edifice out of their beliefs, uh, they're, they're going to be confronted by like real death now. It's really happening. They could really die. And hopefully they'll wake them up and they'll stop like fucking around with this whole like fake shit that they do and all these lies they pretend to believe and they'll finally wake up and embrace the real. And I was like, 
Nope. Mm, That's not how human won't. works. No, you can literally see the Virgin Mary and go out and whack someone the next day. That's, yeah, they ain't going to do that. They're going to keep drinking pool cleaner. That's that's how humans work. It's like if if <laughs> reality and that kind of it. It's one of my. I become like a Marxist pessimist in a lot of ways, um, and it's why I don't rail as heavily against certain like astrology stuff that I can find kind of tedious. Because it's like if the arc of history has taught us anything, it's that if these tools could and would inevitably penetrate those thoughts, why would it not have happened yet? I just I get filled with a lot of pessimism sometimes. I'm like, I like this stuff. I think it's very insightful and very necessary. And I worry that it doesn't mean anything because the people who need to hear it will just never fucking listen. Um it's good. Oh yeah. <laughs> good feeling. Yeah. Good feeling on the inside in my heart zone. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, um, you know, I was oh sorry, God. Oh, I was just gonna say so much of becoming a an even marginally known writer has been about letting go of the idea of influencing people who don't want to be influenced not not in in the sense of control or or reshaping them but just the most basic level of communication um mm. i've had to accept that most art says effectively nothing to many people yeah, yeah. Which is very... yeah it's, it's the guy guys who think Tony Soprano is a cool guy who flips out on people and has a strip club and drives a cool car. Therefore, he's an awesome guy. There's, you know, I, I'm just choosing not to talk to those people. I, I, my brain can't take it. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of getting a literary so... degree and getting involved in the criticism side of things on my end has been a uh, hor a horrifying parallel path where it's like I wasted all that money no one shit and sounds like well no three <laughs> people give a shit and I'm like and they're all my friends and I do treasure them I just it makes me so sad and they're like we're all sad we're we're all sad I'm like good is this good and it's like, no it's not good I'm like okay <laughs> you know just to just to help us wrap on a more hopeful note <laughs> no matter how brain dead and you know like you said these postmodern conservative people who construct these whole false edifices and then slowly sink into them and vanish until there's no humanity left in the equation even fucking fred phelps who dedicated his whole life to being a hateful piece of shit who ruined other people's lives at the end apologized and died trying to atone can wake up at any time yeah hmm. and i think that trying to help them do that trying to set them free in some sense of the words through art is worthwhile no matter how small the impact is as long as it's there that is extremely mm -hmm. fair mm -hmm. damn right yeah i get a little black pilled sometimes and i forget that kind of stuff but um it it is true that some there are some people you can get through to sometimes, and that's doesn't sound very hopeful, but it actually is because the alternative is there are no people you can't get through at, to at any point ever, and um, which is why I tend to believe like most of the time. Um, 
But let's end on another hopeful note, which is to play some totally sick uh, technical death metal covers of a prog rock song. <laughs> um, that gives me hope. <laughs> In a way. Uh, Langdon, this, this one's all yours. You just, um, just go. Bear in mind that it's midnight and I have to be up Oh, I'll make tomorrow. it quick. So, uh, Legion are a fucking whip-ass technical death metal band. They don't do as much of the, uh, the hyper-clean, whittly shit that I think a lot of us have gotten tired of. Um, although they can. They're fucking insane players, and they post on Instagram and Twitter sometimes of them just practicing, and you're like, holy shit, that's your practice regimen? Oh, fuck you. Um, but they have, like, really powerful songwriting that they weld it to, and they're they're smart about its deployment. They're just also crazy fucking good players. And like any great uh, fan of progressive music, they fucking love Yes, who are fucking tight. Um, can't say enough good things about Yes. We wouldn't have heavy metal as we know it without Yes, because everyone from Judas Priest to Iron Maiden to Metallica to like on and on and on. Literally, they're similar to Rush in that every single metal band you have ever liked has liked Yes at some point past or present. Um, and for good reason, they're, they're one of the best, um, like bands in rock history. They put out the best prog rock album ever with close to the edge. That's literally the best one. And if you're wrong, I will, uh, poison you until you die. Um, for, for God, you know, it's, it's a lordly thing. It's, it's, it will send me to heaven. Um, and yeah, so it, I don't think anyone expected Allegion to come out and cover, uh, the covers of Roundabout, which is admittedly a bit of a, like an obvious one to pick for Yes. You know, you'd half hope that they'd pick something more like Heart of the Sunrise or South Side of the Sky or, you know, but whatever, not going to turn my nose up at it. Roundabout's a fucking great song. Um, and so it's one of those, like, you wouldn't have expected the day before they released the cover that they would do it. But once they did, you're like, oh, of course. This makes perfect sense. Yeah, and it is a, it is very good actually. Yeah, a, I don't know, I'm, don't, I'm not normally into the the Whitley, uh proggy stuff, but uh, yeah, I was kind of feeling this. And it feels it. like a good counterbalance, especially against Black Curse, which is just the, again a set of players that can play some really, really demanding shit, and they decide the way they're going to make it demanding is spiritually. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. They're just going to grind your face off. That's the demand. And you're like, oh, yeah, give me more. <laughs> <laughs> that do be Well, thank you guys so much for having me on. This has been really fun. Absolutely. Yeah, come back I've, anytime. I've, um, definitely looking forward to your um, uh, testosterone zombie I've, book. I've loudly, um, loudly waved the banner of Gretchen being really fucking brilliant for, for a while now. Just it's It's very true. Sometimes I see people and now the world is really catch up. I see people getting lippy about it and I'm like, fuck you, fuck you. No, she's brilliant. Fuck you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate that. Uh, I'm fully prepared to just be absolutely stormed with eggs as soon as I release this book. <laughs> people are going to hate me so fucking much. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll have you back to talk about it because um oh. I appreciate you know, it. I'm going to be lifting weights <laughs> and uh, working on my car so the whole time. So I'm just getting ready for, you know, 
I'm getting ready. He seemed like a really cool guy, kind of like Tony Soprano. (laughs) Yeah. And just like, yeah, just like to like um, flip out on people and um, pay really no attention to people around me's like emotional needs. Just a lot to look up. Yeah. A lot to admire. Like, um, kind of like Tony Soprano. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of who I am. That um, part where he says to Christopher, I wipe my ass with your feelings. You know, that's a great way to live your life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, it, instead of a, a Legion, uh, we're just going to play the theme tune Sopranos <laughs> by Alabama Free. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's like the worst. It's like the worst great song ever written. Um, I fucking listen, love it. If you listen to it all the way through, it's total bullshit. And like the, the little bit they excerpted for the... Um, for the uh, theme tune for Sopranos is like the only good part. And the other part is just me cringing the whole way through. And plus they're from South London and they're called Alabama Free and they're doing this like bluesy song. What that's fucking insane. Yeah. But um anyway, here, here's Legion doing a yes cover roundabout. Uh, come back very shortly. We're gonna be talking to way more people about more books and probably anime as well. Here's Legion.
Mountains come out of the sky. They stay.